This is Nobody Likes Casey McLean, with your host, the one and only person who thinks this podcast should exist, Casey McLean. Casey McLean, uh, what's a good what's a good promo line or catchphrase for this the podcast you love to hate? Maybe that's it. I don't think that's it. This is Casey McLean, and uh, it's the first episode of this podcast, which is exciting. It's it's uh, this podcast is unfortunately a long time in the making. I. Uh, I started recording interviews for this podcast in February. Um, I have an interview recorded with Chris Ballou, who was formerly the lead singer of the President of the United States of America. He became Casper Baby Pants. Uh, I was going to release his episode as episode one of this podcast on April 1st. And then uh, the world turned upside down, as we all know, and uh, it sounds like the, am I singing the theme song to uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? The world changed a lot, and so I didn't post that, and I had, I had another interview recorded with uh, Adam Posse that would be extremely dated now for a couple reasons. Uh, one of them was I presented <laughs> I presented a poll to him that I saw another comedian post that uh he disagreed with me on vehemently but um <laughs> that would be pretty insensitive in today's world oh boy maybe one day uh like a patreon that could be on a patreon that lost that lost episode uh we just gotta remember that it was from before uh March, April, and May of 2020 that I recorded it. Um, but thank you guys for listening. It's uh, the guest today is Gabriel Rutledge. He's a great friend of mine. Uh, one of the, I would consider him a comedic mentor. I call him Seattle's David Tell uh, more often than maybe he's comfortable with. Today, as I record this, yesterday, as you listen to it, he released an album called Good Luck in Court. It reached number one on iTunes. We did it, everybody. We did it. I feel a sense of accomplishment because I was uh, involved in the post-production, I think, in the uh, the condolence-giving part, part of... He talks on this, uh, on this interview about how um, difficult it was to get this recorded well, and I was uh, <laughs> three times on the giving condolences end as the... As the the album didn't get recorded the way that he planned. Uh, and then I became emotionally invested and uh, sent. I didn't actually go record, but uh, I sent Gabe with a whole bunch of equipment of mine to Spokane, Washington, where he recorded it. And then I mixed it and uh, edited it and all that stuff. So very exciting. I love Gabe Rutledge. He's uh he's a great, a great guy, great comic, uh, the best comic in the Northwest no doubt in my mind. Um, yeah, so I had my, I have a daughter. If you're, if you're new to me, I have a, a daughter, she's 10 months old and I had my first father's day 
and my birthday. I'm one of the many people who I'm not a big birthday guy. Uh, I think like three out of my last four birthdays, I've been doing stand up on my birthday. And it's because I don't care about my birthday at all. Uh, any celebration on my birthday is kind of, in my opinion, for the people that love me, uh, to feel good or whatever. It's not something that I care about all that much. Uh, and then I'm not even like a big gift receiver, but this year my wife, she bought me a smoker and grill. Very exciting. Maybe the best gift I've ever gotten. It's a master built gravity series 560. I'm going to talk about this thing so much that they're going to have to give me a promo code. Uh, wonderful grill burns charcoal and wood. I love barbecue. I hate paying $19 a pound for brisket that costs $4 a pound to buy just the meat. So I've been, uh, I've been learning, <laughs> I've been learning how to smoke stuff, some successes, some failures. Uh, my first, and it's a really cool, uh, we can get into the, if you ever care, we could get into the technical reasons why this is a really cool and technologically advanced grill. I love kitchen shit that takes a lot of the guesswork away. Big fan. And, uh, this does precisely that. So. I first get it when you buy it. You have to you have to season it, is what they call it. You put oil on all the all the important surfaces, uh, run it at a certain temperature to burn off the oil and also the lubricant that's in the the grill to put it all together. And then uh, I seared steaks on it first night. This this thing is a charcoal grill that can hold temperature below two hundred degrees, which is lower than I will probably ever need it, and also can sear at 800 degrees. Very hot. Uh, I've never seen a grill that has that kind of temperature range and that kind of control. And uh, first night goes fine. Sear a steak, beautiful. Reverse sear. Big fan of the reverse sear. Uh, then I smoked meat 11 times. I got this grill about three weeks early for my birthday. Um, three, three weeks before my birthday. My birthday is June 11th. Uh, Father's Day, I think, was June 18th this year. I don't know. Unimportant. So it's a combined Father's Day, birthday present, smoke, smoke meat. I smoke meat uh, 11 times. No, 10 times after that initial searing of the steak and smoking some chicken at the same time. Smoke meat 10 times. And then I reverse sear uh, a tri-tip, which is a, a piece of beef. And I had, this is the stupidest thing I've ever done outdoor cooking. And I've done some very dumb things. I've learned, a, I'm a decent cook. I've learned it all through fucking up considerably. Uh, there's a, a drip tray and a grease pan on this grill that's super easily accessible to clean but you have to clean it. And this grease pan had 10 smokes worth, which includes uh, two pork butts, seven racks of ribs. Some of this is obviously being done at the same time. A chuck roast, a, uh, a, um, a couple, like a, a, another reverse seared steak, multiple cooks in here, but there's all this grease built up from all of these cooks and you're cooking at such a low temperature that you don't uh, 
run the risk of igniting that animal fat. <laughs> so there might be some of you that are ahead of me on this, but I reverse sear my tri-tip by starting out at low temperature, get it up to the internal temperature I want, and then I'm going to put a nice sear on it. So I pull it out of the smoker slash grill, uh, crank it up to 700 degrees, and there are flames in there, which isn't, I mean, 700 degrees, you're going to expect some flames. And even when it was a... Uh, a fresh grill. There were some flames in the heat manifold in it. So I wasn't like initially was not super concerned about the flames. But what I noticed is this grill was climbing in temperature very quickly. Uh, I found out that this Masterbuilt Gravity Series 560 errors out and shuts off at 780 degrees. And I also realized this thing while this grease pan is a convenient thing to have in this grill when the grill is on fire the grease pan is operating as a fuel tank and not a convenient receptacle for waste and so i uh i ended up throwing the tri-tip back onto it while i was desperately trying to put out the flames it was a pretty scary 20 minutes i uh my neighbors could not have been happy with me there was a lot of smoke that was billowing into their yard and it wasn't the good uh wood smoke or charcoal smoke it was yeah it was pretty gnarly it was i mean burning animal fat right uh you can check out my instagram i have pictures of that tri-tip it got a little more charred than i than i had intended so, um, all right, this is a, I just did an intro, the very first intro of this podcast. Like I said, there's a Patreon for this podcast. Uh, the Patreon's going to have a lot of stuff on it. It will have full length interviews. I talked to Gabe for about an hour, a little over an hour about his album, about, uh, the future of comedy, what zoom shows were like for him, etc. on the Patreon. There are both video and audio of that full length interview. So if you're a person that, uh, wants to watch a video, which I've never understood these people, but there, when there's video of a podcast, it'll be on that Patreon. Um, and when there's just audio, if you just want to hear audio, there'll be that version of it too. Also ad free. Uh, there's going to be some ads on this podcast. Let's, uh, let's pretend like this podcast has an enormous listening. It's going to have a uh, listenership. That's going to have a lot of ads. There will be ads on this podcast, but on Patreon, you will get an ad free version of the podcast. And I've created a lot of extra work for myself and commitments. So I'm going to be pumping this Patreon pretty hard. Uh, so please go sign up. It is patreon.com slash the Casey McLean. There's going to be some other stuff going up on there. Also uh, bonus shit. Q&A, uh, priority, Patreon-only stuff. Maybe, I don't know, people like to hear their name shouted out on podcasts sometimes. Maybe that'll be a tier or a, a perk that you can choose. I don't know why you would want that either, but I will do it. If you will give me five, it's five bucks uh, for a lot of stuff. So thank you um, for tuning into this first episode. We're going to come across, we're going to, uh, the other thing that happened, by the way, I'm in a, I think everybody's feeling this right now, so I'm not I'm not trying to gain, gain any sympathy. I'm just relating to people, which is I have more anxiety in my life right now than maybe I've ever had in my entire life. Uh, 
I'm not a naturally super anxious person. I would say I'm obsessive, but not anxious. And just last night, I like at the beginning of the, the pandemic, every night I couldn't get to sleep. I'd be just pouring through COVID data um, till two in the morning. And then I'd wake up at six in the morning and I'd turn my computer back on, look at it all day at various points. And then I had like a three-week break where I just couldn't take any more data. And I checked back in a couple weeks ago and things just have gotten worse since then. And last night was the first time I think I've re-experienced the anxiety. And I woke up, couldn't get to sleep until about uh, 12.30. Woke up at 1.15, couldn't get back to sleep until 4 o'clock. No idea why. No specific event happened, just general anxiety. And so I was excited. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to get a good night's sleep, be very energetic on the podcast. And here I am. Uh, I feel like I'm giving everything I have. I'm leaving it all on the field. But all right. Thank you for listening. Please enjoy Gabe uh, after a word from our sponsor. Gabriel Rutledge is a 20-year stand-up comedian who has been on Comedy Central, Amazon Prime, and who released an album called Good Luck in Court on June 30th. He has a podcast called The Rutledges with his wife Christy Rutledge, and a book called Happiness Isn't Funny available on Amazon. He's too good of a comedian to be on this podcast and to have taken KC on the road with him. Follow him on Twitter and Instagram at GabeRutledge. For full-length interviews with video, join KC's Patreon at patreon.com slash theekcmclean. I've been, I've been uh, constantly touring for 15-plus mm-hmm. years. And, like, so that part is, like, it's actually been sort of nice to be home. And, yeah, you know, that's... I say on stage, I, uh, and by stage, I mean this room sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I say, uh, I used to miss my kids when I traveled, and now I miss missing my kids. Uh, <laughs> you have a great joke, which, by the way, we got to talk about your album. That's the, but you, I love this joke where you say, uh, is it on this album where you go, uh, when I'm on the road, I miss my kids, uh, or my, I miss my family, not the first day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's such a there. fucking funny joke. <laughs> Uh, I said that on the radio once, and I'm like, oh, I got to keep that. That's fucking so funny. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's uh, like I not I find myself, and you know, you were at a different level than me, and you already had a day job and everything. But mm-hmm. like, as far as like, I've had this vague, undefined motivation for most of my adult life, which was get better at comedy. It's mm-hmm. very not specific. It's very you know, open-ended. I don't, you know what I mean? But it's like the overall thing was get better at comedy. And like, I don't have that right now. Like I'm not thinking about stand-up comedy that often. I'm not doing it enough to be writing a ton. Right. And it's just weird to like, uh, it's almost like, I mean, have you felt that at all? Have you felt like, you know what I mean? This is the new version of me. Uh, I have the thing where it's like, um, and this is going to sound like, not great but i'm like i can't have a life where i just work to like 
like I work to be able to do stand up comedy and stuff like that, right? And it's like yeah. what is I'm not saying that stand up comedy has to be it. It hasn't always been it. I would like it to be it. I really enjoy stand up comedy, but it can't just be I work, I come home to my family and that's it for me. So that there's something missing. Yeah. But I also like uh I feel good when I hear someone like you say that you're like not writing a ton because I feel guilty that it's like I've always been like if I had more time I would write more yeah. now I have a ton of time but it's like your life is under you're kind of like in constant fear of like dread yes. of doom <laughs> uh a little bit at least right like I stopped I for a while I would like wake up pull up the data go, would go to bed I'd look at the data before I went to bed I would be you know working out like these statistical models on my computer and uh looking at like you know, changes and different stats over the course of the days. And then I realized after I hadn't done that in about three weeks, I didn't even realize that I hadn't been doing it. And I was like, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm fucking depressed. And that's the cause is all of this like existential <laughs> dread. And I'm yeah. not, no, absolutely. I'm not writing. Uh, if I thought the first zoom show I did, I was like, this is good enough that I could write for it. I think you might've even said that to me. Like you could, yeah, we you, like you could actually develop some material on there. You can try a joke and see if people like, right? It, you know, <laughs> and it's like you know, it's like no worse than doing it at a bad open mic. And how much right. material have you or I developed at a bad open mic? A lot, right? A ton, yeah. But I had reached a point in comedy where the vast majority of my shows were not bad open mics, and uh, I don't. Th I don't think that I, I guess I'm not that kind of an addict where I can, I can go back to that. Like, I don't feel any need to go back to that as like the primary thing yet. Right. We've yeah. all, we also talked last time about how everybody's going down the totem pole, at least one, one rung. And I think that's sure. been true, right? Like we've seen yeah. like Bill Burr is doing comedy clubs at partial capacity. DL yeah. Ugly is at the same club you were performing at. Yeah. A couple, you know, a couple months ago. Yeah, for sure. And that part actually surprised me. I thought, oh, none of these big names are going to do it because they're, they won't have enough money to pay mm -hmm. them. But I think they just don't care. They're like, I got to do something. I think they're all kind of, feel the one, the one thing that I do feel and why I think the Zoom shows were helpful is I was, I think the Thursday show was a little bumpy for me the weekend that I did. But uh, like Friday, I felt like almost back. And I think that after having done the Zoom shows and realizing how much I had forgotten my material, I did like, I probably did eight Zoom shows and I went through almost all of my material, uh, probably almost all of my material twice. There's yeah. one one joke I know I didn't do twice. Uh, by the way, a joke that's probably a little touchy right now if uh, in this other, it, by the way, we haven't even mentioned that, but there's like a race war going on that wasn't <laughs> around when we last talked. And I have a joke that's like racial but not racist, and uh, right. I think that joke's probably on the shelf for a while, which sucks because it's like nine minutes long. Oh man! <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't think. It, I mean, I, maybe it'll come back. Maybe it'll be fine. But um, yeah, that's the the one thing I will say is like just the dread, like the stress of trying to remember my material has been enough. On like not trying to, I've written like a couple new jokes that are just like. Anytime I have like a quarantine related joke, I just like let's just get that shit on the internet. I don't need to ever do yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And I, I have written a few things, but it was definitely by accident. Mm -hmm. 
you know, which is how most of my jokes are written. But <laughs> it, meaning I didn't sit down and try to think of them. It just something came up or whatever. But it is, it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it, I also think uh, maybe it's because things are reopening or maybe it's just fatigue. But I, uh, I think Zoom comedy's done. Like, I don't, people don't want to do it anymore. Like, yeah. I, and it's, it's, of course, it's very hard to promote to the same group of people over and over again to watch you perform mostly the same jokes over and over right. again. But it's like I, you know, uh, in the beginning, the numbers were really big as far as mm -hmm. people watching the Zoom shows. In the last few I've done, I, I did one with, uh, I mean, these are not certainly uh, household names, but they're definitely Northwest comedy names. I did one with uh, uh, Kermit Apio and mm -hmm. Dwight Slade and Don Friesen who's not Northwest, but it's like, I was the least experienced comic on there at almost wow. 20 years. I mean, that's, and you know, we had 23 people. Oh, Do you man. know what I mean? It's like, I think people are just like, yeah, I did that. But you know, <laughs> I can't, I mean, I love it as a, I think about this too, with like in comedy, there's so many producers, people that produce shows that you're like, there's no way this is gratifying for you in a way you're not getting out of this what I'm getting yeah. out of this. And I don't know why you're doing it. Because I almost don't want to do it. The thing you're like doing. And you're doing the shitty part of it, right? Like you're not yeah. getting the joy of performing that I'm getting from it. And I kind of feel that way with Zoom audience members. Where I'm like, thank you for being there. But I don't know why you're there. Like I don't know why you don't just turn on Netflix and watch a comedy special or watch clips, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but thank you for doing it. Anybody out there that's oh, absolutely. sat through a Zoom show, because we, that's the only thing that makes them palatable at all, is having six people laughing. Is like, oh, God, this is like, you know, it's a little methadone to the heroin, but... Uh, oh, for sure. It is, that is an excellent comparison, actually. It's, Zoom comedy is methadone comedy. <laughs> but I, I was doing all these, I guess, April, trying to figure out how time works again. I think it was April. I did a bunch. I did a bunch. I got in with this weird corporation I won't name that, like, I did, like, I don't know, five or six, maybe seven Zoom comedy shows, which was great money-wise. Uh, but it was one of them. <laughs> one of This is my lowest point probably of the whole quarantine, whatever we're calling this, is one of them, it was about 15 people, and all of them were muted. Oh, no. And it's, I'm just telling my jokes to, like, smiles. Yeah. And one guy was driving. One guy was shopping. He's, like, buying eggs. And I'm like, I don't, you know, I miss my kids. Not the first day. You know, it's just, <laughs> it was so, I is humiliating the right word? It felt humiliating. Just yeah. like, you know, it was like, it wasn't, there was no closeness there was no uh there was no intimacy between uh, audience and performer it was just like recite some jokes for 40 minutes mm -hmm. and we will give you 400 dollars. which don't get me wrong i'd do that today if that was yeah. the deal again but it's just like it just i'm just like is this what terrible is this what comedy is now you know it, it just felt yeah. so bad uh, I was a, I did one where a guy was just walking around Seattle, uh, not shopping, just like walking the streets. I I'm also like in my mind I'm like he's got this 
his phone's got to be just on fire in his pocket because he's like it's like you're like in his pocket True. or it's uh or it's like you see just the sky i don't even know if he's looking at it or not and uh on the same one it was a man and a woman and they just walked out of the room like we're not they're just like they, oh, yeah. so you just had like a blank couch for 30 minutes i did one where it was a husband and wife and they were on their front porch and for a second i thought because i always change it so i'm not the big face because that drives mm -hmm. me crazy i want to see everyone yeah and i thought i'm like are they waving at me because they're like and then I realized, oh, they're just waving at their neighbor who's walking by. <laughs> well, the so other like... thing that's funny is, because I've been on like a, a the semi-production side of a couple of these Zoom shows on accident, is um, a lot of times it's set up so that the audience can't see the other people, but then yeah. the, the comic will start addressing a specific person mm -hmm. as though everybody has the same view as they do, and then it's not going well because... The other people don't get what you're saying, like why yeah. what you're saying is funny. And it's really, I don't know how to be like, they can't fucking see you, dude. They can't fucking see you. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But at the same time, it, it is better than nothing. But it's like, I don't know. Now we're in this, it's sort of like things are kind of opening up again. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I do, I don't know. I kind of felt like the last few I did were like, I think this might be kind of done mm -hmm. as a popular option anymore. Well, so that's you've uh, had the, the misfortune of going from touring uh, national headliner to uh, doing Zoom comedy shows in your daughter's bedroom, <laughs> but that was not the beginning of your 2019-2020 misfortune. <laughs> you know, it feels bad when you put it so succinctly like that. <laughs> when did when yeah. did you do the first attempt at recording your album? Um, I would say. Um, I think March 2018. Oh my God! Is March 2018. I I recorded some stuff, and then uh, was this in uh, Arizona? Yeah. Okay. Oh, that means it. That means it was earlier. I think like January 2018, and then I was like, man, maybe I'm not quite ready, and I don't love the recording. And then I did a bunch of recordings in March that I thought would uh, be the album that didn't work out. So it ended up. I didn't record it till December 2019. Uh, so like, uh, I kind of want to go down the the full timeline if you're okay with. Okay, if, sure. it, if it doesn't give you PTSD. <laughs> no, it's uh, fine. So you do the Arizona one. I thought it was a pretty cool idea and ambitious project, which is like some video. Uh, call it a special. Call it not a special. Whatever. Uh, two clubs. Uh, yeah. Laugh. What's the place called? Laugh, laughs, laughs in Tucson. Laughs in Tucson. Uh, the I saw it, you sent me some of the video. It looked fucking beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and then the <laughs> audio recording didn't work out. Um, and I, I not like. I mean, we're, fr we're I think we're both friends with the uh, guy that. We're, I mean, I'm still friends with him. I don't know if you are, but <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, it, <laughs> so I don't want to. I don't want to trash him in any way. I just uh, it didn't work out in. Uh, in no, the... and I didn't pay him either. He was like, oh, I sure. want to try and do this. And I'm like, yeah, let's try and do it. You know, he was trying to learn it, but it just like one of the, some of the sound on one of them got weird. And then one of the cameras in a different one, uh, wasn't working. So it right. just didn't, uh, it didn't exactly work out. You know what I, and those, you know, all, it depends what you, I think comics get a little bit, I get hung up on 
like the new album I have right now that's coming out very soon. Don't get me wrong. It's good. You should buy it. I listen to it. And I'm like, yeah, it's that's me talking. That's people laughing. What else do you need in a comedy album? Mm-hmm. But is it's one of those things where like, was that one of my top 10 shows of the year? No. Right. Do you know, but that doesn't, that's on, that's all our bullshit. I really do feel that way. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I, I feel like it's, uh, so it was disappointing that some of that stuff didn't work out, but, oh, there was another time I tried to record in uh, Victoria. Yeah, that's what I was, I was going to bring that one up. I didn't yeah. forget that one. <laughs> because, because uh, I actually thought the audio that I heard from the Victoria, because, and the other thing is I, uh, with the guy that we're talking about, have attempted to like salvage i think all three of these recordings at different <laughs> points <laughs> yeah and i thought that the victoria one was like the crowd was sounded fucking amazing uh yeah. and I don't, i've never been to that room i guess i've never been to the the tucson one either but the the crowd in victoria sounded like right on top of you and yeah. low ceilings and uh, I know that you recorded it at Spokane Comedy Club, which is a beautiful club, and I love it. It might be my favorite club that I've uh, worked, but it's it's a, in a warehouse. Like, it's, it's big. It's yeah. you know, but really the recording. I mean, we're I'm sort of talking shit, but the recording it sounds like a theater is what it sounds right. like. It and it's you know it it's thanks to you I should say because I had a, a bunch of different microphones and stuff, but you're the one who turned it into listenable. <laughs> so I re- I do appreciate that. And uh, it is good. I mean, but it's also, it's just this long. I think the thing I'm kind of bummed about is I lost about 10 minutes. Oh, really? Of of material because by the time it was, I'm going to try to record again in December, it was like, I can't do a lot of these jokes anymore that Mm -hmm. I thought were like for the album. Yeah. You know, of course, the good news is when I look back at most of my albums, if they're like, whatever 50 to 60 minutes i go 23 of that was good and the rest was bullshit so maybe i got rid of 10 of bullshit you know what i mean yeah <laughs> what's that i know that this is like a classic classic male analogy but uh, i believe it is coco chanel uh said that like the way to look fashionable is when you when you're walking out the door look in the mirror and take one thing off and that's like that's better yeah. than putting one extra thing on uh i believe I got that via another classic male reference, Alex Gornichelli on the Food Network, I believe, was the... Uh, um... You've changed, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think, like, you know, what that sucks. It sucks. Be- I also, like, I kind of feel the... Uh, I was trying to record a much, much less ambitious thing, but, like, I didn't get the sets that I wanted out of some kid material... And then uh, the one show that I got, like the good recording that I wanted, the camera was fucked up and the audio was bad. So it's like, can't even be released as anything, right? Like, it's the... so hard to get that magic combination. Of, yeah. Uh, and I, I do, I wish I had more video, but it, it is, it's also, uh, I'm happy to have it to put out. I mean, mm-hmm. just because. Well, that's the know. other thing, right? It's like you, while you got unlucky in so many ways, at least you got it recorded before yes. this. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, 61 minutes of, you know, maybe seven or eight laughs a minute. So it's like, I don't know what, 
you know, I, of course, there, a few of those recordings had a little more energy. They had a little more, but, you know, I listen to comedy almost, I almost listen to the audience more than I, even when it's not me. Mm-hmm. I'm listening to the audience, and I don't, I don't think most people are as insane as comedians are. You know yeah, what I mean? That's absolutely true. Comedians are so precious about that stuff. You and I yeah. have multiple occasions where you're like, can you mix the, can you mix the crowd a little hotter? Because, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, cause like my preference is like, I'm a big, uh, audio, uh, I guess we're going to see, I'm not going to use the word. I was going to say the C word. I don't know if this is that kind of podcast. Uh, I'm a very picky person <laughs> about audio. This is the first episode of the podcast that it will, it will be. I mean, save the C word for episode five. I <laughs> yeah. mean, that's for Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I am like, you know, almost wanted to sound like a studio recording if possible. And I, that's just the audio side of me. Cause I've never had to mix my own album where I'm going like, I got to get these laughs a little hotter, you know, like to make it sound like it did in the room to feel like it did in the room. Right. Cause that's yes. always the hardest thing is like to make it feel like it feels in the room as an audience member. You almost have to bring the, the laughs up to a point that it like fucks up the, the line level yes. mic. Because I, I really do believe, especially in that room, that room can feel amazing. And if you played the recording, it sounds like very echoey and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Is that that's exactly what I try to do is I'm like, well, it didn't feel like this in the room. Make it sound like it felt. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that's a weird, you know, that's a weird, uh, that's a weird goal to have. But it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh. The, one of the reasons I wanted the hecklers one to work is because it's kind of an inside baseball title, but that, that club and it called, it's called hecklers in Victoria, BC. And I wanted to call the album comedian destroys hecklers. Oh, that's funny. Just for like, it's corny, but, yeah. uh, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, it's okay. Didn't happen. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm kind of glad it's coming out now, even though it probably would have come out six months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, it's called uh, Good Luck in Court, by the way. Speaking of uh, white privilege. Um... <laughs> I was going to – it's, it's – uh, we had a – I thought – so that I can't – I've never had more involvement in the creation of I'm so album. sorry about that. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I've liked it. First off, I mean, uh, you're a comedian that I admire. I'm happy to be involved with it. I've, uh, I've learned a lot, uh, which sounds like a – the backhanded insult it sounds like <laughs> I, that doesn't sound like a, 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 a that isn't um but I, i'm saying like i've learned a lot about the creation of an album and how difficult it is through the struggles that you've had uh also i did like the mixing but i just sent you with a bag of microphones to spokane and yeah. you set it all up you and, and maybe uh luke severide or maybe not luke yeah. severide set it up uh yourselves so like there's uh yeah, I mean, tons of challenges. And then you go, it's called Good Luck in Court. You have graphics made for it. And then the world uh, devolves into riots over this, like, justifiably. I mean, you and I are on yes, both of course. This. But it's like, it's like the uh, injustice or the uh, disparity in justice between black and white people. And your album cover is going to be you in a courtroom. <laughs> it's literally like, people are literally like, give this cause because because the court system is so stilted against african-americans and i'm 
here's me on a cover. <laughs> Give me 10 bucks for this yeah. empty courtroom that I'm probably it, presumed innocent in. <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if I got arrested? Can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, look how wide I am. Oh my god! <laughs> it's just—I mean, it's—it's so, it's like I mean, I—I I certainly think uh, that anyone that hears the joke is going to understand that that is nothing. Well, that's to do. why I asked your advice on it, <laughs> and you were like, "Well, you should use that joke in the promo." I'm like, "Good idea, good idea." It's—it's it's a little <laughs> bit of uh, giving the. It's like giving the climax of the movie away in the <laughs> yeah. in the trailer, but I think that. That's just not the way that albums work. Uh, I don't. I've never listened to an album and have been like, "When's he gonna like a Gary yeah. Gilman?" I'm like, "When's he gonna do that Karate Kid bit?" It's just like, "Oh, here's the great bits on this album." Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's fine, and I, you know, I will be doing more promo when it actually comes out. But no one said anything oh, as good. far as yeah, I haven't gotten any blowback, and even if I do, it's just you know, I'm not known for my timing off stage. Uh, I kind of have a long history of like being too late, too early, saying yes when I should have said no, saying no when I should have said yes. You were supposed to record a dry bar in March. I was, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was supposed to record a dry bar in March, but don't, don't, don't bury the lead. I said no two times previous. You, so so you said let's maybe we should uh you said no yeah and then they were like kind of successful and then you said no and they were getting millions and millions and millions of views and becoming maybe the best promotional tool in comedy yeah the first time i said no it was real early mm-hmm. and no one had seen any of them but it was like i know a couple of people who taped these dry bar things and i was just like okay it's a company that's being sued by movie studios because they're they're uh, editing Hollywood movies to make them family friendly. It's like a Mormon company. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, that's a strike one and a half already. And then it was like, it was like family friendly. I'm like, eh. like I can be clean, but I'm like, eh. and then I was so I was like, okay, when your goal is like finally comedy Mormons can enjoy, I'm like, no, no thanks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I just don't, I don't really want to do that. And then I saw people get popular from it and I thought well even if I got popular from that what if they came to see me and then I'm whatever R rated PG13 rated they're going to be like wow what is this and then people started telling me the money they made and I'm like I'm in <laughs> <laughs> and then coronavirus came uh and uh my dry bar taping never happened it I mean it's you know supposedly going to happen sometime in the future but uh, we'll see. And I almost forgot about that. That was supposed. That was in March. I was. Mm-hmm. I was like two weeks away from taping that. Yeah, because uh, uh, and you were there was a show in Tacoma that I was loosely involved with that I booked you on, and that was maybe the last involvement that I had in it. Uh, and that got canceled. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. The guy, the other guy producing, is moving to Texas. Wait, uh, what show was that? It was at um Essence. Uh, oh Essence yeah. Lounge. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, which yeah, had to be on your calendar for like three days before the world I shut down. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I keep I do a theater show in Olympia. It was supposed to be like <laughs> March twelfth or something, and then it was going to be like last week, June twenty first. Now it's it's January thirtieth. We'll see. Wow. You know, it's it's it's. Uh, but that's everything, and that's everybody. But it's just it's it's a weird it's weird because it's like like you said, everyone's kind of back to like if not. We're not back to square zero. 
zero is not a square, but <laughs> not back to the beginning. But but it's like we're all kind of no one's really making a ton of money performing comedy right now. And at first that made me feel better. But it's also like it just makes me realize I didn't have, you know, I don't have like, oh, I'll just lean on my podcast and make all my money right. from that. And, you know, what I mean, I didn't have the online presence uh, before. And it's like so it's, uh, you know. Like I said, day to day, things are fine. Everyone's healthy. I thought this would be a financial challenge. So far, it hasn't been. It's just been a, a staying useful challenge. Yeah. But uh, I'm. I still haven't got unemployment. It's. Oh really? Un- I mean, it's pending. My wife has, and I, you know, I uh, deliver groceries. Uh, some not full time, but enough to, you know, we need the money, and I need to get out of the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. You know, it's like I said, day to day, everything's fine. But it's like sometimes when you think about, you know, things that I used to want, uh, I guess I still do. But like, oh, I want a late night TV credit. That seems like you have to take a spaceship to a different planet to do a late night credit right now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just like all those goals like that are just like, when are we even going to start thinking about things like that again? You know? Yeah, I kind of, I mean, I wonder, like, I think maybe we talked about this. Uh, we've definitely talked about something like this, I think, off of a podcast. But, like, those late night shows are all just in their living rooms now. Yeah. And what we've, I think what this this whole thing has done and how stand-up comedy falls into this, we'll find out, I suppose. But it's, uh, it's stripped away 100% of the bullshit, like, bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. And it's, like... And I and uh so like if Jimmy Fallon can do a show um in his living room, why can't Casey McClain do a show in his living room? Like if that's the new standard, yeah. then like I have all the shit to do that. You have all the shit to do that. Like, yeah, maybe you don't have a team of writers behind you, but you got one writer that's like probably better than Jimmy Fallon, if we're being honest. Uh uh, and then also like, you know, that's the comedy related. And then it's like, now you can drink alcohol on the streets. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, yeah, how many, yeah. like if you want to like get it, like, dr- like just pull everything back to comedy. It's like, if I can drink alcohol on the streets, do I really need to go into a club to do it? You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I mean, I really hope it's like all just game theory, trying to figure out how people yeah. will react. You and I, uh, I was like completely shocked at how, uh, like it wasn't a swarm to buy tickets for the weekend that I did. Um, the crowds were like not sold out at 35% capacity. Yeah. Either were mine in Appleton. Right. Uh, well, I think one, we had one show that was like the 35% sellout or whatever, but it's, mm-hmm. yeah, people are, some people are like, I don't care. I need to go out. <clears throat> Most people are still being pretty cautious. I also like, uh, uh, I've, thought about what a comedy album is going to sound like and you might have one of the last comedy albums for a while that's recorded in front of a capacity crowd yeah i know i know what's the special gonna look like i mean that Chappelle shit i didn't watch it actually but it's like out in a field right it's out in a field and there is an audience but they're not miked you can oh well first of all it's not particularly funny and that's not a criticism it's not Not really supposed to be you know but it's like they 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 show people out in the it's outdoors with an unmiked crowd you can barely hear them you know mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean you've i've i put up a zoom clips too and it's like because it's like i guess this is what we put up now but it's also like 
let's say we were in a comedy club. If we got that level of laughter in a comedy club, we'd be like, I don't want anyone to see this footage, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's funny. So you said a thing about Zoom earlier uh, that I want to talk about because you were talking about how you bring it up so that you see everybody on yeah. there. And I, I get very uh, precious when somebody talks about uh, the, like, if anyone's like, I get like, I remember I did a show once and I did like pretty well. And the producer of the show was like, you'll get him next time. And to this day, I don't know if he was being sarcastic or not. And I fucking hate him for it. I mean, I'd still I, work with him, but I just like it's it. Kind, I think he was being sarcastic. That's kind of like, like if you really destroy, they'll be like, when are you going up? You know what I mean? Like one of yeah. those, it's, I think it was, it sounds like that. Yeah. But, but also like, I, yeah, you know, like your ego won't let you yes. give it a hundred percent of that. So. I'm doing this, uh, I, I recorded a Zoom show to send to another comic, not to be like, this is good, this is, uh, please share this, you know, please book me, none of that, it was just like, this is what a Zoom show can be like, if you're curious, because you can hear the audience, right? Yeah. And he goes, oh yeah, did you see that, uh, black lady not responding to you the whole show, like she didn't, uh, and I'm like, so... I'm in my, he he says this like, while I'm busy, I don't have, I fucking ruined myself for four hours. Like this lady, he's like, yeah, she just like never responded. She just had like a shitty smirk on her face the whole time. I go, I pull up the video. It's a still shot of a woman. It's not even. (laughs) (laughs) So this guy's misunderstanding of technology ruined my day. Yeah. And so I think uh... that's. (laughs) <laughs> by the way first time on stage real stage mm-hmm. i don't know if you experienced this but i was like i could finally do this like <laughs> be- because zoom is like what we're doing right now right in front of each other and like i'm like oh i'm pan in the audience like the old days you know what i mean and then yeah. when i first started doing zoom i would do that out of instinct but there's <laughs> there's no one there it's my daughter's <laughs> desk it looks like you're just like, what a mess this place is. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> the sewing machine on my daughter's desk she hasn't used since the day after Christmas. <laughs> oh, great. A comedian getting serious instead of writing jokes. Joy to the world. All right, so part of this podcast uh, is that in addition to what I hope are funny interviews and funny uh, funny things that I'm saying, I like to talk about serious topics some of the time. Not all the time. Most of the time, I don't like to talk about serious topics. But I think that it is uh, important to talk about them right now. First off... Uh, We've somehow politicized at the beginning of the pandemic. Did you guys feel like maybe this would actually be a thing that united us? Like, I don't like Donald Trump. Um, which is an, a very easy thing to say where I'm from. Nobody, I mean, Washington state, especially the part of Washington state that I'm from is very blue, but I just burped on the microphone in the serious segment. Uh, honestly, like if this country could unite, if it's like Donald Trump had an opportunity to unite this country, 
in a way that could have saved hundreds of thousands of lives. Unfortunately, this is a this is a, a comparison I will make. I think Donald Trump. I'm going to make a crazy comparison. It's not going to be a popular one. It's sports sports related. That's the only way my brain works is to make sports comparisons. And right now, there's no sports to even talk about. Cam Newton signed with the Patriots, and that's it. Uh, early baseball analytics operated kind of in their like. They were like perfect experiments because the players rejected analytics. They did not change their behavior in the early stages because of what analytics said. And they weren't incentivized to because teams didn't value that stuff, right? If analytics said that walks were more valuable than teams were paying for walks, if if they said that that would make a player more valuable if he walked more instead of striking out as much as he did or whatever – or that if he hit for more power and less contact, players didn't give a shit about analytics. And then they started to become aware of analytics. Analytics became kind of this like uh, chic thing in baseball. It was uh, a trophy to have an analytics department. And suddenly teams started paying players for excelling in these advanced ways. And a guy that I would say, Phil Hughes, was a decent pitcher, Yankees prospect. And then I think in Atlanta, to me it seemed like Phil Hughes realized the teams wanted to see guys that struck a lot of batters out and didn't walk those guys. Uh, so he just started throwing a whole bunch of uh, whole bunch of strikes, a whole bunch of fat pitches that were easy to hit. And he got hit like crazy, but every year it looked like Phil Hughes is on the verge of a breakout because these peripheral numbers – point to Phil Hughes actually being better than his his uh, numbers suggest. And so Phil Hughes, in my opinion, without any evidence, like a true journalist, <laughs> Phil Hughes gamed the system. He realized what was getting people paid and gamed the system and got paid handsomely in his career uh, without actually ever being maybe that good of a pitcher. And the the reason Phil Hughes had perverse incentives is because we made it very clear what would get him rewarded. And I think that's kind of what we've done with Donald Trump in this case is in this country, we have not rewarded people. We don't give it. We don't even trust that our like, and I'm not even saying we're right or wrong by the way, but like the department of Homeland security is viewed as exclusively to infringe on the rights of Americans by a lot of people. And you'll never get credit as a president or whatever for what you prevent. So we didn't, we, and Donald Trump may be more acutely aware of, more acutely aware of and desperate for praise uh, than any president in the history of America. And so we gave him this perverse incentive to like, be, the, the rallying cry was always going to be reopening the economy. The tough decision is to not do that. That's a, I'm actually very impressed with, and my conservative dad is impressed with Jay Inslee, which means he's a Washington State's governor if you're listening from outside Washington State, uh, and you weren't aware of his short-lived and kind of embarrassing presidential campaign. Uh, 
I'm my dad. My conservative dad's impressed with Jay Inslee because he made tough decisions early. And we've not given Donald Trump any reason to do that. And arguably, we haven't given any president for a long time. Uh, with the 24-hour news cycle and these uh, slanted media channels, he's, you know, Barack Obama, George Bush, Donald Trump, were it Hillary Clinton, they were going to get trashed regardless of the decision they made. And maybe just because he's so aware of how to game the algorithm, uh, Donald Trump is the worst president we could have had, which is not, I'm not breaking news. I'm just, I have a different reason why uh, than a lot of people. This narcissistic host thinks you, the audience, wants to hear about inside comedy. I said earlier in the episode that I did stand-up comedy on my birthday, and it was invigorating. Uh, I hadn't done comedy. It was three months to the day, March 11th to June 11th, in person. I did, I think, eight Zoom shows, maybe less than that, uh, with mixed results. And it was so fun to be back. And it was so addictive feeling it, I've I haven't stopped thinking about how good it felt I've been trying to figure out ways to get to do it more often because here's the other thing even in I mean I live in Tacoma we have a comedy club in Tacoma that's open we have one operating open mic right now there is so little stage time and so many comedians that are dying to get on stage uh my past podcast comedians in quarantine. I talked to, uh, this podcast guest, Gabriel Rutledge, but also everybody or a lot of the guests on the, on the podcast about how, uh, everyone was gonna, there's going to be this rush for stage time and we're all going down at least one rung on the totem pole. And we did. I mean, I think that's exactly what has happened. And, uh, what's interesting is, in other comedy scenes, I haven't seen it in Seattle, but in other comedy scenes, there's been this rush to moralize performing or not performing stand-up comedy. And almost without any regard for the context in which comedy is performed. Because I think like a tight room packed in right now sounds horrifying it sounds like a death trap uh i think that a large room spread out people's temperature being taken uh staff wearing masks this is all the the uh circumstance at tacoma comedy club um that's feels safer and then there's some places where people are performing in truck beds and in parking lots uh outdoors and what we've learned is that the transmission of COVID is severely reduced outside, but we haven't adjusted our moralization of performing for that. So people are just uh, out for blood. And I'm always skeptical when people are out for blood, if they could possibly be gaining from that. If it's 
cutting off a segment of their community so that they uh, are elevated in status or whatever. And this is like the perfect, uh, first off, most comedians are, are liberal. Most comedians, uh, I think certainly believe that COVID is real. Also, I, it seem I would, it just stands to reason that a remarkable percentage of comedians have to have antibodies compared to the rest of the country because we do so many things that are uh, potentially d- disease spreading. Uh, and I'm not even talking about uh, illicit sexual encounters that some comedians have. Not me. I'm a boring old married guy. But um, we, you know, share a microphone. My last gig before June 11th. I've talked about it ad nauseum, but uh, my last gig was on a show with six people. I was the third to go up, but the night before, that same microphone was touched by potentially 20 people, and the night before that by like 40 people uh, for open mics and these these uh, large showcases. And so, and then, you know, like if you're selling merch or I was taking emails for the show uh, that I do called Master Debater, it's called a comedy club. Uh, on March 8th and letting people use pens, shaking hands. I hugged every comic on the show. Uh, when you're selling merch or taking pictures with people, you got arms around you, arms around audience members, shaking hands, uh, high-fiving, just like every possible way you could imagine spreading disease. Comedy seems to uh, participate in. And so... I just, to me, we have to, throughout this, we have to stop moralizing every, like, moralizing without uh, revisiting. In comedy, in life, in whatever, because we create these incentives, we create these vacuums, right, where there's like, oh, we're going to punish this, you know, uh, somebody did a joke 25 years ago that was offensive uh, or did a joke today that was offensive. Well, now there's a vacuum that's opened up and we can dump. Oh, uh, Jimmy Fallon did a, did a bit, a sketch 20 years ago that uh, several writers contributed to and Lord Michael signed off on, but fuck Jimmy Fallon or uh, Shane Gillis or the Waynes brothers or whatever. These like, and we, we can't like never, ju- we can't always just, uh, we can't, let me, how do I, why, why can't I speak today? Well, I said it. it's because I got four hours of sleep. I have a 10 month old daughter and, uh, crippling anxiety right now, but we have to constantly revisit and, uh, revisit our priors, right? Like that's, that's the way society will move forward. In everything, right? This isn't just in comedy. We, we, it's so stupid to talk about just comedy. Um, that being said, I had a video. It did not go viral by any means, but I had a video receive the most views that I've ever had a video receive. Uh, on Comedy Juices. Comedy Juice is a web platform that, and a series of shows around the country that... Uh, it's run by Steve Hofstetter. 
and they they post people's stand-up clips, which is very exciting for me. I haven't had a ton of success in comedy, so it's up to 25,000 views. Go check out Comedy Juice. Uh, scroll down. My joke is about having a child. They used a better title than I have on my YouTube channel for it. They called it Babies Are Stupid. I called it We Had a Baby because I didn't want to give away the Babies Are Stupid punchline. But they're right. I agree with them. 25,000 views. Handful of likes. Uh, I did get stressed out, by the way, because there's a line, the first line, or at least the first couple punchlines, there's like one slightly insensitive joke, and it's funny because when there's 400 people watching it, I'm like, ah, who gives a shit? That's funny. And then when it's, I know it's going to be upwards of uh, 20 or 30,000 people, I'm like, is anyone going to get mad? But overwhelmingly positive feedback. I, uh, I did, uh, allow myself. So they posted on comedy juice has a bunch of pages. They have regional pages. They clearly own a couple of other pages that aren't uh, explicitly attached to comedy juice. And I checked the feedback on every single page they posted it on because I'm a psychopath and uh, literally every reaction on Facebook was a like, a heart, a laugh emoji. The one where the the emoji's hugging the heart for some reason. Uh, every single reaction was good, except there was one angry face. And then one moment where I took something as an insult... And my wife read it and she's like, I think they're just joking also. I think they're like tagging your joke. And I was like, oh, okay. I let it ruin my morning. Comedians are uh, not great people to uh, to uh, have rational opinions and discussions about emotions with, I don't think. This podcast is mercifully almost over. All right. That's going to be the podcast. Uh, Thank you for listening. Thank you. It's the first one. Please tell your friends, subscribe, uh, review us on Apple podcasts, Uh, five stars, please. There will be, go to patreon.com slash McLean, uh, full-length interview and video of the full-length interview all up at patreon.com slash McLean. The reason it's the McLean and not nobody likes Casey McLean is because there's going to be benefits to the, uh, there's going to be benefits for uh, people who maybe don't find it through this podcast, but Thank you again. Please, if you if you like this podcast, share it with a friend, uh, a loved one, a coworker, an enemy. Follow Gabriel Rutledge at Gabe Rutledge. I think uh, across all social media by his album "Good Luck in Court." I hope you enjoyed the conversation about him panicking about the name. I thought that was a, a fun a fun conversation. Also, something by the way, too political to boost on Facebook. I wanted to boost that clip to get it uh to have a lot of people listen to this podcast 
and uh, too political. That is that is too political for Facebook's algorithm. Uh, I don't know how all these Russian bots get through if I can't talk to Gabe about his uh, about his stupid comedy album. So, all right, thank you guys. Follow me on Twitter at the Casey McLean. Stand updates at thecaseymclean.com slash calendar. I will talk to you again next week. Thank you.